Hi, I'm Derek T. Dingle, Senior Vice President and Chief Content Officer for Black Enterprise. Welcome to an all new episode of Boardroom Chats hosted by Nationwide. In this edition, we discuss the value of diversity and inclusion in the boardroom in today's environment and why it should matter to you and the nation. To take a deep dive on this topic, my guest is a business leader who has spent her career focused on the empowerment of black and female professionals. I'm talking about Deborah Lee, the retired chair and CEO of BET Networks, who was responsible for building that enterprise into the largest global company dedicated to black programming, reaching more than 100 million homes worldwide. Always focused on breaking new ground and expanding opportunities, Deborah created in 2010 the Leading Women Defined Summit, an annual invitation-only gathering of the most prominent Black women, including such luminaries as former First Lady Michelle Obama and Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States. A member of the Black Enterprise Registry of Corporate Directors, she has been a force in corporate governance for 20 years. She currently serves as Corporate Director for AT&T, Burberry, Marriott, and Procter & Gamble. To change the complexion of the boardroom and the C-suite, she recently co-founded the Monarchs Collective to identify and onboard diverse talent for such positions by helping them bolster leadership skills, make vital connections, and gain access to growth opportunities. Throughout the years, Deborah has been recognized for countless achievements, including being honored by Black Enterprise with the 2020 Women of Power Legacy Award and named one of our 50 most impactful women in business over the last 50 years. She is here today to share her views on the state of diversity at the highest levels of corporate America and the anticipated impact of the Monarchs Collective. Welcome, Deborah, uh, to uh, this episode of Boardroom Chats. And uh, we're excited to have you as our guest today. Thank you for having me, Derek. I'm really thrilled to be here. This is a um, topic that um, I'm passionate about. So I look forward to our conversation. Well, you know, uh, one thing about boardroom chats is that we want to use this as a, a tool to educate our audience about uh, the importance of um, board, corporate boards and African-Americans being positioned on corporate boards and right. what it means to their professional and uh, financial lives. Uh, so to start off, um, last year, we saw a renewed focus on racial equity, uh, on providing opportunities to African-Americans, you know, after the tragic death of uh, George Floyd. Right. Um, with that as a backdrop and with this new um, environment, this new corporate focus, uh, share with us how you assess today's environment as it relates to African-American representation on boards, as well as the, the C-suite. Right. Um, well, let me back up and give you my view of, of how we got here. Okay. Um, and you're right, it did start with um, the tragic death that we all saw on video of George Floyd. And a lot of companies um, in response to that tragedy 
um, decided to give uh, big contributions to social justice organizations or uh, racial equality uh, organizations uh, like the NAACP or Color of Change uh, or Black Lives Matter. And they were very proud of that and announced that um, those donations uh, proudly, uh, which were great um, and were really helpful to those organizations. Uh, the second thing that some companies did who uh, are big advertisers is they created their own public service announcements saying um, how committed they were to Black Lives Matter and racial equality. And they started, started showing those and all kinds of media, all kinds of platforms. Um, but the millennials who are, are pretty smart and savvy said, well, wait a minute. If you're that committed to Black Lives Matter and that committed to racial equality, what does your boardroom look like? And what does your senior leadership team look like? So millennials started putting photos of the boards of various company on the um, on digital platforms on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and they started putting photos of the senior leadership teams. And a lot of companies were embarrassed because they still had all white male boards or all white male uh, leadership teams, or maybe they had one white female. Um, and in my view, there was a collective oops from the corporate world um, because they were embarrassed. And you know, the, the, the question was, how can you be committed to racial equality and not uh, have a diverse board and not have a diverse uh, executive leadership team? So that's when the momentum picked up. And all of a sudden, companies were rushing um, to put uh, especially Black board members uh, on their boards. Um, and so um, you saw a lot of activity this summer. Uh, a lot of uh, Black people who had never been on boards before were appointed. And um, you know there was pressure. And there was additional pressure from California, which now has rules uh, that say you have to have a certain number of women on your board. If you're a publicly traded company, you have to have a, a, a number, a specific number of diverse uh, board members. Then NASDAQ came along and did the same thing. Then Goldman Sachs came along and said, well, we're not gonna take um, uh, a company public if they don't have diversity on their board. Um, and then, um, you know, other companies, other um, uh, finance companies started saying the same thing. Anyway, all this pressure is coming from uh, different places. Um, and um, I hope it's a movement and not a moment. You know, we need a movement because as you know, I've been on boards for over 20 years and companies have been talking about doing the right thing and having more diversity. Some companies have done that successfully. Um, and I'm on um, uh, one or two boards where the numbers have gone up. Uh, I'm on one board where the number of women are as, as has reached the 50% threshold, which is amazing. Uh, and you might have two or three black people on a board, um, but there's, there's still a lot of work to be done. So I think to answer your question, and I just wanted to give that background because I think it's important, but to answer your question, I think we're in an environment where uh, companies are still looking for diverse board members. 
Uh, I think the problem is some of them are fishing in the same pond that they've been fishing in for years. Um, you know, I'm still getting a lot of calls, even though I'm, I'm, I have four boards, so I'm what you call overboarded. Okay. <laughs> um, and then they're using search firms that don't really know who's out there, and they go to the same people over and over again. Um, so um, I think some companies are trying harder, uh, but they need to readjust how they approach this issue uh, and where they find uh, these diverse board members. And my view is there are plenty of them out there. You just have to have the network um, and know how to reach them. And that's one reason I uh, started the Monarchs Collective, which I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. But um, we're still in um, you know, that energy and that movement of, of getting more diverse people on boards. Uh, you know, some boards are talking to companies are talking about Latina and Latino X people or LGBTQ, which is the first time I've heard any boards uh, talk about finding LGBTQ uh, board members, uh, disabled board members. Um, and it, it was really, you know, you need a diverse board to have a, a um, to reach a diverse audience and it makes you have a better company uh, and it makes your stock do better. So this is, this is long been proven that a, a more diverse board uh, is helpful to the companies. Uh, Deborah, thank you for that that assessment, you know, and, and bringing us to where we are right now. Um, as you know, uh, Black Enterprise has been um, doing a, an annual report on um, corporate governance and diversity in corporate governance. And we found that roughly 37% of the S&P 500 doesn't have any African-Americans, any Blacks on their board. Uh, however, our last report showed that there were 100% women so are you optimistic, uh, given this uh, inflection point, that we will eventually see 100% of Blacks on S&P 500 boards? Well, let me say, um, instead of being optimistic, I'm hopeful. Uh, because we, we really need to reach that number. And I think um, historically, when you talk about diversity, it's easier for companies to um, deal with white women. Um, you know, we've seen that in um, incentives in the communications industry or uh, other um, industries that have called for diversity. The first small step is to get white women involved. And that's great. Uh, but what George Floyd showed us is that the real wealth inequality, the real unfairness, the people that are still suffering are Black people. And the other thing, it's allowed us to say black again, not multicultural, not unconscious bias, but black folks are suffering. And we as a country and as a world need to deal with that. And the way to deal with that is to increase the wealth in the black community. And one way to do that is by having more black people on boards. And you all have done a, a terrific job at Black Enterprise for um, documenting who's on boards and uh, the, the number of black people um, that have um, joined boards recently. But there's so much more to be done. And I can't be optimistic because 
you know, th these companies should have done this a long time ago. And there's so many talented people out there, uh, young people and not so young people um, that are learning about boards and, and willing to serve. Uh, because I've been on boards for so long, I get a lot of inquiries from young people saying, Miss Lee, how did you do this? And how can I do that? And, um, you know, I think it, it's going to change, but I, I, I hope it changes faster than I think, because we still have systemic racism and that re in this country, and that reaches all the way to the boardroom. So the pressure is going to have to be kept on boards and companies, and we're going to have to keep raising this as an issue. And, you know, race, 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 um, systematic racism raised this ugly head in the boardroom last year. And boards had to discuss this. And some CEOs came out and talked about, um, you know, working with the business roundtable on, on police brutality and, um, uh, inequity in the healthcare system. You know, COVID also showed how uh, disparate these groups are in terms of the healthcare uh, that they receive. And Black Lives Matters, you know, brought more attention to this. So um, I hope, I really, really hope that companies will continue to look at this issue. And, but I know we're gonna have to keep the pressure uh, on the companies. And the more uh, black people that find out about board service and find out uh, that you get board fees, that you get stock in the company, um, that if you go with a private company before it, it goes public, you, you stand to uh, potentially make a lot of money. Um, and finance companies in particular, are um, struggling to find um, more black uh, candidates because they have so many portfolio companies. It's not just um, you know Goldman at its board level, but all the companies that they take public and that they help grow. Um, so uh, I've been talking to a lot of, of financial companies about how they're going to change their uh, practices. So you know it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, it always does, um, but we we just have to. Uh, do the work and and make sure companies change their policies. And if that takes regulation, you know, so be it. Uh, if it takes people, black consumers, starting not to buy from uh, the companies that don't take it seriously, you know, we may have to do that. But we have to keep the pressure on. Well, you you talked about um, uh, you know the pressure and applying pressure, and and I'm going to uh, talk about the Monarch, uh, Monarchs Collective in, in a second. But I just want to make sure that our audience knows, and you talked about the wealth building prospects of African-Americans on board. Right. But for the layperson, I just want them to gain an understanding of why that board seat is so important to them, why it impacts them as a, as a layperson, as a consumer, right. um, as a stakeholder, uh, I, I just think it's really important to frame that so that people that are looking at this knows how the board directly affects them and, and their daily lives. Right. Well, the first thing um, that the general population should understand, uh, especially the Black population, is that uh, the board members, uh, the people on the uh, boards, are the ones who advise CEOs. Um, uh, the CEO's main job is to increase shareholder value, uh, and the board gives advice about how to do that. 
but also the board um, uh, oversees um, hiring practices, um, you know, and, and can uh, ensure that the company um, makes, um, uh, makes uh, sure that there are black uh, executives at the company. They can, the board can ask questions about that. The board can ask questions about uh, whether the company is spending money with uh, black media, uh, which was real important to me when I was at BET. Um, boards um, oversee the business of the company. And so a company like Marriott um, is dedicated to increasing the number of black owners of its hotels. Uh, I, I chair the uh, diversity committee at Marriott and every quarter um, the executives have to come in and report to me on uh, the number of black executives, the number of um, um, supplier diversity, how much is spent with black companies, the number that the money that's spent with black media, the number of hotels owned by black people. And that's the core of their business. Um, so as a board member, you have a lot of power. Um, you can uh, discuss and debate in the boardroom uh, how the company is going to deal with um, not only issues that affect this business, but if, uh, issues that affect our country and affect our world. You know, boards are not are supposed to be non-political, and I think for the most part they try to be. Uh, but when something like George Floyd happens and um, um, systemic racism uh, is, it ha is such a factor on um, how companies uh, make their money and how they promote individuals, then it's time for the board of directors to, to have a say. So there are lots of issues that come up over the years uh, when you're on a board. And the more diverse the board is, the more, um, um, you know, substantial and the more informative those conversations will be. Um, and, and the more uh, diversity of thought you have, um, uh, the better companies perform. Um, so it's, it's very important. It's not just the, you know, creating individual wealth for the individual directors, uh, even though that's important um, because of, of the stock options and uh, board fees, you know, so it's a nice uh, add on to people's regular salaries, depending on um, what they do for a living. And it's also nice for when you retire. I know a lot of uh, retired executives like myself remain on board so they can stay um, present in the business community. Um, so there are a lot of reasons. I haven't even mentioned charitable contributions, but companies do give uh, a lot of uh, charitable contributions. It's nice to be able to have a voice in that. Uh, also policy decisions, you know, companies are, are always lobbying in DC uh, about issues that again, affect their business or affect our country. Uh, it's nice to have a voice in that. So there are really a lot of reasons um, to want to serve on board. I mean, it's the pinnacle of our, you know, capitalist system, whether we like it or not. I mean, those are where the real decisions are made. Um, and depending on how a CEO runs his or her board, um, you can have a lot of input. Well, the, uh, I, to uh, uh, simplify, I always say that the, the board is the CEO's boss. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you, you oversee and, and you make, um, you oversee um, his, his, his actions, whether he's on point in terms of the, uh, the business objectives, 
right. but also uh, his or her compensation. Right. Uh, yeah. One and thing, his or her uh, retention at the company, uh, the succession plan. Yeah. Uh, I was on one board uh, a while ago, and every time we talked about succession, they would show us the number of uh, individuals that are ready now, the number of individuals that will be ready in three years to take on certain positions. And they would let us know if that was a woman or, you know, a black person or a Latino person. Uh, and that was very important to, to how we uh, evaluated the future of the company. Yeah. And these are obviously issues that you look at at some of the other boards that we talked about at, right. at, the, at the top of the program, AT&T, Burberry, uh, and um, uh, Procter and Gamble, which right. are your current slate of boards, um, yeah. wanted to shift, and and this will shift into Marnox Collective because you're looking both at board representation and at C-suite representation. Right. Uh, share with us how the Marnox Collective evolved, and um, you know what what was the impetus for it. Why did you decide to frame it as the Monarchs Collective? And uh, what is the, uh, the, the next stage of uh, development and execution in terms of its uh, the goals and strategy? Right, those are all good questions. Um, the Monarchs Collective came about um, as I was talking to my partner uh, one day, uh, my, my co-founder of Monarch Collective, uh, her name is Rabia uh, Delan Long, and she was an executive um, uh, coach for me at BET. Uh, she dealt with uh, a lot of executives at BET and she actually became kind of my ad hoc coach uh, as we were um, restructuring the company. It seemed like we were restructuring every three or four years for some reason. Uh, but I got to know her really well and we kept in touch. And after um, the um, George Floyd murder, you know, there was this time when companies were really, you know, asking themselves, well, what else can we do um, uh, to make this happen? And I don't know if you know, the uh, music uh, industry had a blackout Tuesday yep. where uh, no one was supposed to, no one black was supposed to work. And, um, you know, I, I got calls from uh, several um, other companies and uh, not-for-profit boards that I'm on saying, okay, how, how do we address this problem? Everyone's taking a day off. What are we going to do? And Robbie and I were uh, discussing it and we said, hey, you know, it seems like there's a business here. Um, you know, I have a very uh, expansive uh, network of black executives, uh, a lot of who work for me at BET, but just from being in the black business community. Um, Rabia has uh, advised uh, many CEOs in the media space and other industries. Um, so she knows a lot of, um, uh, executives of color, and we we said we should you know form a company and and um, promote it and let people let companies and CEOs know that we're really focused on putting black people on boards. Period. You know we're not a big search firm. We're not you know doing all the issues. Um, you know I don't even really like calling ourselves a search firm because I see it as more you know connecting people. Um, consulting and, more. Yeah, consulting and also training. 
uh, we came up with a five module system to train um, um, black executives on what board service is like. And uh, you know, it's not a remedial program by any stretch, but if you haven't been on a board, you don't know what it's like. So, you know, to have someone take you through the types of committees that are on boards, you know, how you go about making your voice heard, um, you know, uh, um, giving you a, uh, a look into how boards are social. Um, you know, usually uh, most boards are a two-day board meeting, so you spend the night uh, near the company's uh, headquarters and you, you have dinners. Uh, sometimes there are board retreats where uh, spouses or significant others are brought. Um, so there's a social angle to it also, uh, which is good. You get to know the other board members and they get to know you. So sometimes they can recommend you for other boards or other businesses you may wanna start together. Um, so I realized that since I stepped down from BET, Gee, I think it's over three years ago, that most of the calls I was receiving were either from companies that wanted me on their board or individuals that knew I was on boards and wanted me to help them get on boards. You know, young professionals or people who had worked for me or uh, people I just knew. And I said, you know, I agree that there was a business here and that we should be paid for it. You know, a lot of Black folks get the call from white search firms saying, I'm doing a search and the company wants a diverse board member. Do you know anyone? And of course, as Black people, we want to help other Black people and we will give them names for free. And then they will go and make the um, uh, placement and receive, you know, payment from the company. Um, and, you know, it's time to stop that. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's very generous of us to uh, recommend other Black people. And there's nothing wrong with it, but that's not how you get white it's, board members. It's a you business know, proposition. Want, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a business and you get what you pay for. I mean, you know, you should, if, if it's a value to you, you should be willing to pay yeah. for it. Um, and some search firms just aren't good at it. I tell the story about a search firm. Uh, I was head of uh, nominating and governance at, at one company, and I was looking for um, a black male to be um, uh, the next candidate. And the search firm said, well, there are no male CEOs, no black male CEOs. And I said, well, that's just not true. I can name five off the top of my head. And if you press me, I can name 10. But one, um, you know, that shouldn't be the response. And two, why would I hire a search firm who has that perspective? Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of things that aren't aligned uh, in the search community. And, um, um, you know, we, help, we hope to, to rectify some of that. Um, and the term monarch came up uh, because uh, Robbie and I talked about it. And we said, you know, when a butterfly is, is coming out of its cocoon, um, it has to beat its wings against the covering um, to allow it to get strong enough to fly on its own. And if you help that butterfly come out, when it comes out, it won't be able to fly. You know, it has to do it on its own. So that was sort of our approach to, um, you know, how we could train um, uh, black executives, how we can help them 
but you know we want them to to survive on their own. Um, so we're just here to help, and we want to help companies too. You know, if you're looking for a, a diverse board member, you know, then you may have a culture that's not very welcoming uh, to Black people, and you need to think about that before you put someone on the board. You know, you can't just put someone on the board and expect it to work out. Um, and then as a Black board member, you know, one of the things you want to do when you get on a board is make sure other people come behind you, other Black people. Um, so, um, you know, we hope to bring companies and, and candidates um, uh, together um, to help with this problem. And, and since we announced it, we announced the company the day before the inauguration, and we've had great response, uh, mostly from people wanting to be on boards, uh, but we've been talking to um, many companies also that, that see they need this service. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to the company um, growing and we wanna change uh, the complexion of uh, corporate boards uh, in America and around the world. You know, we've gotten some calls from the UK. Uh, they're having the same issue there. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sure other countries are also, it may, it may differ as to how they define uh, diversity, uh, but this is a, a problem that uh, companies all over the world are having. Well, this is um, really a, a powerful platform because one, and it, it, it trains the individuals that want to be on board. Right. Uh, and gets them acclimated to what to expect. Two, it helps corporations in the recruitment process of, uh, of, of boards right. and how they can position their companies to be ready for this new environment. When we talk about the conversion of moment to movement, mm -hmm. it's helping these companies learn how to engage in these practices that will create a racial that will create racial equity within their company right. and create access to the boards. And then also, it, it also solves an issue that you talked about at the beginning, at the top of the program, recycling. Too often right. we see the same, uh, you know, black board members on multiple boards, uh, just like there's a limited universe. And right. you're saying that the, the universe is unlimited in terms of the talent that you right. can tap in terms of uh, Blacks uh, in, in business. Yeah, and, and you, you well know that the, some of the shareholder organizations have become very active in this space. And since uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, four is the limit of uh, boards that you should be on if you're not a sitting CEO. If you're a sitting CEO, it should be less than that, and it depends on the company. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of activity in in that um, area because it used to be you could be on as many boards as you wanted to, um, but then people realize that you don't have time to do that, and you miss board meetings. And so there are rules about missing board meetings. You know, as a, as an effective board member or as a board member, you have to attend at least seventy five percent of the board meetings a year. So rules like that um, have an effect um, on, on who can be on the board. And interesting, I read an uh, article um, 
just this morning about companies who don't want their executives to serve on boards. Um, you know, this particular art, um, article was talking about Salesforce and the CEO of Salesforce only wants people that reported directly to him to be on boards. And a woman who was lower level uh, was approached uh, and she wanted to serve on the board and um, you know, she was told she couldn't. So she left the company. Um, and, you know, some companies do have that uh, approach that um, if they're paying you <laughs> to be full time, they don't want you spending time on other people's boards, other company boards. Um, I think that's not the right approach. Uh, I can understand if they have a limit on the number of boards you could be on. Um, and, and several, many companies have, you know, only, they only want their CEO on one other board. Uh, but I think it's such a great learning experience. And the other point that this article is making is how this handicaps um, diverse board members, because if they're not part of the senior C-suite, then they can't, even if they get calls from uh, companies, they can't go on the board. Yeah, it and like it was that would open up your perspective. It would help the company that you're working for to have that right. experience. Yeah. yeah. And when I, when Viacom acquired BET, I was grandfathered. Uh, because I was already on boards. And the CEO at the time of Viacom understood um, that I was in demand because I was a black female uh, CEO. And, um, but it, it, you know, it can upset other, your peers if they're not allowed to be on boards. Uh, and this article is really uh, delved into the, the issues of um, you know how that can affect your career and uh, how different companies approach it. So even if you want to be on a board, you may not be able to, um, depending on where where you're working and their well, you, approach to it. You definitely gave yeah. us another issue for exploration. Yeah. Um, as we're as we're um, wrapping up this this talk, and and you know, you've been great in terms of providing some more enlightenment of the the process and um, recruitment uh for the monarchs collective what are your metrics for success do you have uh specific uh timetables for goals in terms of the diversification of boards uh the diversification of the c-suite i know you're mm -hmm. a consulting firm but what is part of your um your business mandate what would be right. success for you yeah, that's a great question. And that's something we're thinking about now. Right now, we're overwhelmed <laughs> to, uh, answering the, the, um, the request we've gotten uh, from individuals and uh, from some companies. As I said, we want to increase the number of requests from companies. Uh, but in the next month or so, we're going to have to sit down and say what our actual goals are. You know, our first priority was getting the word out and, and getting some press, and all of that has happened. And it was it's clear. There's a, a business uh, mandate for this company. Uh, so now we have to uh, map out what the next couple of years look like and what we hope to achieve. Um, you know, I think your question about uh, will there be one black on the, all the top companies? I think that's a good goal, <laughs> you know, if we can help uh, reach that. And believe me, we're willing to work with whoever. There are other organizations, uh, mostly nonprofit, that are, you know, talking about helping in this area, not only with Black folks, but with Latinos. Um, there's a great organization um, 
that's uh, in DC that's trying to match Latinos with um, uh, corporate boards. Um, so anyone who calls, we're like, you know, the other part of our name is collective. You know, we're not, we don't want to be the only ones doing this. We want to work with other people uh, to achieve the overall goal. So uh, we're more than happy to talk to search firms, <laughs> to talk to organizations who are looking at this. I hear the executive leadership council is doing something in this area. Uh, other organizations like Afrotech or uh, other industry organizations that have uh, collectives of, of Black uh, executives, we want to talk to them. There's a, a great number of uh, Black executives in the tech area who would be amazing board and uh, board members, the same in the financial industry. You know, it's just tell us what you're looking for and we'll start looking for it. Um, and um, so uh, we hope to, to, to um, define those goals and, and what we think as a company we can uh, achieve. Uh, but we're very excited about it. Uh, yesterday I had a call uh, from an amazing individual, not the normal um, profile of a board director. Um, um, and you know he, was, he happened to be a friend, uh, but he called and said, hey, I, I, I would like to be on boards. And he's such a standout in his industry that I was just excited talking to him because I was like, well, if I could find him a board, I, you know, that's a goal. Um, so it's it's not just the the uh, business oriented people. You know, there are a lot of other professions um, that can be helpful on boards. You know, the the you have to be a CEO uh, route has gone out out the window. Uh, boards are looking for financial people, people to put on audit committees, uh, CFOs. Um, I've seen boards now looking for cybersecurity people because that's such a big uh, issue. And you know, a lot of companies have had uh, data breaches. Uh, I've seen boards looking for international people because they're doing more um, internationally, globally, and they want someone who understands China, who understands uh, Australia or Africa. Um, I was very excited. I was able to re uh, recruit um, Ngozi, uh, I'm not gonna try to pronounce her, her last name, uh, but she was on, uh, she just got appointed to be head of the WTO, uh, the wow. first uh, woman, I think, and the first African, uh, but I recruited her to the Twitter board uh, because we were looking for someone with security uh, background and someone who knew the, um, um, you know, international scene. And she changed the boardroom the first time uh, she walked in it. You know, they were, the company was talking about um, having uh, offices all over the place, all over the world. And she raised her hand and she said, you didn't mention having an office in Africa. And everyone was just like, Oh, and she said, do you know how many Twitter users you have in Africa? Um, so, you know, it just shows you the diversity of boards really makes a difference. And, yeah, and someone that. with a diverse background can see an issue that the rest of the people in the board may not have seen or thought about. So, um, so anyway, I think it's an exciting time and I want to have an impact. Uh, that's what's driven my whole life. And I always love giving back. And if I can help um, uh, people who are coming behind me uh, get on boards and uh, make a, a contribution and, and really impact uh, our world and our, um, our racial equality, uh, I will consider that a win.
Well, I, I'm sure that um, you're going to, to make that happen. Uh, I look forward to seeing this uh, uh, greater diversity, not only in terms of um, Black representation, but as you said, in terms of different disciplines. I know health is going to be an area that needs to be addressed, just as cybersecurity. Um, you know, global diversity is going to, you know, grow in, in importance. And, and the work that you're doing with uh, the Monarchs Collective is going to be a driving force in making that happen. Uh, yeah. Before we leave, any last words that you'd like to share with our audience in terms of corporate governance, in terms of uh, diversity in the C-suite, or in terms of some of your, your other goals and objectives? Yeah, well, thank you for that opportunity. I think I just, again, want to impress uh, on people that will be listening to this, uh, how meaningful board service can be uh, for the company, for our world, for the individual. Um, and, you know, we're just starting to see this be discussed in open forums. Um, I went to a women's conference in New York a couple of years ago, and uh, they asked me to do a masterclass on, uh, on diversity on boards and how to get on a board. And while I was there, a very prominent CEO came and spoke, male, white male, and he said in the middle of these 500 women, someone asked him why he didn't have women on his board, and he said he couldn't find anyone qualified. And that was the talk the rest of the day. You know, how could this guy who heads up a major bank come here to a women's group and say he can't find any qualified women? So our goal as the Monarchs Collective is not to, to get rid of that excuse uh, because it's just that. It's an excuse. And there's so many talented people. And I used to say when I ran BET, you know, if someone at another company said, well, I can't find a Black CFO or a Black you know, human resources person or whatever. I'm like, just call me. I, you know, I have a Rolodex. I, you know, it's part of my job to keep up with who's out there and who's doing what. And uh, so I hope Monarchs Collective can, can be my new uh, mechanism to do that because, um, you know, that, that should never be an excuse for any CEO. Deborah, you've always had an impact in this area and we look forward to the impact of the Monarchs Collective and um, you know we're going to uh, Black Enterprise is going to follow up on uh, your um, you know your your recruits, your training, and all that. And we look forward to having uh, conversations in the future. Oh, great! Thank you, Derek. And and uh, Black Enterprise uh, has always been terrific at. Uh, counting the numbers and keeping companies on their toes. And, you know, I hope we see some, some major changes um, in the next couple of years. 